Hey there, fine folks. Um, I know I have been away for a little bit. Um, I have been going through um, therapy that involves, um, I guess, more focused on like neuroplasticity and really healing my brain and dealing with emotional, um, let's say toxic emotional reactions and triggers, um, healing toxic memories that were negative that I never dealt with before. Things that I didn't even realize that I had. Um, and I went, I started down this process of going through therapy because the more I was diving into um, neuroscience and um, I guess quantum physics and I, you know, for those of you who know me, you know, when it comes to the gifts of the spirit, moving the supernatural, it's my second language. Like it's just, it's the way I see the world. It's the way I see everything. And learning all this stuff really helped put words to the things that I knew that were supernatural. So I started to, to dive in and really be like, you know what? My relationship with God is in a really strong place. And I feel like I have a really a lot of strong relationships, but I want to improve. I want to become better. I want to be better. Like I've been talking a lot about how last year I kind of shift my focus from I want to do better to I want to be better. Instead of having goals about what I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on having goals of what I want to be. And that continues that that journey will never end. And this year I am intentionally focused on healing deeper parts of me going into deeper levels of healing and with that you you know there are things that sometimes you think that you've been healed of and you have been healed of those things at a certain level but now as you dig deeper as you go deeper into the things of God and becoming more and more like him and looking more like him there's going to be more in impurities and things that we have to change that I have to change. And so I've really been focusing on that. And, uh, I was, I think like day 10 of the therapy that I'm going through and all these things started to come up and that's kind of what was explained to me and what was expected. I just, I didn't think it would hit me as hard as it did. And I can't say it was like completely debilitating. It, it absolutely was not. It's not like I was in bed depressed or anything, but it really got my wheels turning and it got me thinking about things um, like just pondering on things. And instead of rushing through the therapy and the process that I'm going through, I decided to kind of sit where I was and just like sit there a little bit. So Taylor, you just asked, what did you say about wanting to be better? So last year, um, we I was doing that course by Ford Taylor called Transformational Leadership. And a lot of that has to do with your vision, purpose, and mission. And I started to work on that. And a lot of it was really geared towards what I wanted to do. And as I went into the year and I started learning from Dr. Alex Lloyd and then eventually Dr. Leaf, I realized that my values on what I was gonna do were a little premature. So I started to focus more on 
who I wanted to be. So my vision, mission, and purpose, I kind of threw them in the trash and I said, I'm not gonna focus on what I wanna do this year. I'm gonna focus on who I want to be. And I kind of, and, and like June on, that's what I did. And I had a lot of, you know, stuff that I worked on, but by the end of the year, I actually accomplished more than I had planned to accomplish. So clearly I was onto something and I just kept going. So this year that doesn't change. I'm not changing my vision, mission and purpose to something I wanna do. I'm gonna continue working on becoming a better person. And with that, I'm going through the NeuroCycle, which is a program by Dr. Carolyn Leaf and I highly recommend it. And I got to day 10 and all this stuff started to come up, okay? Like even just talking about it, I'm like nervous, like my stomach turns, it's really crazy. Instead of rushing through the process, I decided to kind of sit where I was at the moment. And I had this one question that came up and the question was, why did I never cry or get angry about the fact that I was cheated on for so long? Um, my ex-husband cheated on me, not with just one woman. It's not like he had a girlfriend or a mistress. It was multiple women throughout the course of at least six years that I know of. Uh, you know, the health department showed up at my door telling me I was exposed to syphilis. Um, so a lot of stuff that I'm going to kind of like unfold and share over the next, I don't know how long. And as much as it's to help you, it's also to help me heal if I'm being completely honest. But one of the things that I realized was that I never cried over the fact that I was cheated on like that. I never cried over the betrayal. Um, I was more upset at his family for lying to me about it, um, including the fact that he had a baby. So when I found out that he had a baby with another woman, uh, we were, um, you know, he, the baby, he had the baby while we were still married, while we were still together. So that was huge. And I never cried about it. I never got upset at him about it. Like in my heart, I could say that completely honest and openly. I had to like question myself a little bit over the course of the week. So I started to like, is there something really wrong with me? Because why didn't I cry? Like what, what was wrong with me? So anyway, instead of rushing through the, the process that Dr. Leaf walks us through, I sat on that all week. And on Saturday, I went for my long run, which was nine miles. And you have a lot of time to think. It was almost two hour run. Um, and I intentionally set out, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna think, I'm gonna heal, I'm gonna, you know, whatever. So I have conversation with God while I'm on the run, and I realized why I didn't cry and why I didn't get upset. And one of the things that I realized was that um, it's okay that I didn't cry and I didn't get upset and there's a reason for that and I'm not going to share that right now because I feel like it may be a little bit misunderstood at this point in time. Um, I'm definitely going to unfold my story over time um, because I really do think that it's a story that so many women go through and we always think that we're alone. Um, plus, it's a story that causes us to feel shame because if I'm being completely honest, um, 
I was more upset about being made a fool of than I was about the betrayal. I felt like a fool, a fool, an utter fool. After so many years and knowing, like I instinctively knew I had caught him in so many different things. And when I share it with you guys, you're going to be like, Andrea, what in the heck was wrong with you? Like, why did you deal with that? But I just know that so many women do the same thing and they're criticized and they're judged for it. And people make them feel like, what's wrong with you? And I know that it's so easy to say that, but as someone who's gone through it, I can tell you that you kind of just do whatever you have to do to get through it. Like you really do. And women who are going through this, they need a lot of compassion um, and they need a lot of like, um, they just need someone because it's very scary, especially if you're like in part in a church and and in your mind or in their mind, divorce is completely out of the question. Because to me, the only, like one of the major reasons, I would say like 75% of the reason that I stayed in as long as I did for 12 years, I was in an abusive relationship that then turned into at least, at least six years of adultery was because of this thought, I can't get divorced. I need to be submissive. He's the head of my household. I have to follow his lead. Um, and there's thoughts about that and I'm gonna unfold that whole process. I have not talked about this publicly. I have never had any desire to throw anyone under the bus. I don't have any communication with my ex. I have no desire to have communication with him. I have no desire to impact his relationships. As a matter of fact, I can wholeheartedly say that my desire is that he move on and that he find someone who can love him and that he can love well um, and that he can learn how to love well. Uh, clearly, when we were together, there was something broken and he didn't know how to do that. So, you know, I don't, I struggle because people till today tell me that I make excuses for him and all this stuff and whatever. And I don't know if I do, but what I know is that he's a very broken, was and potentially still is a very broken individual. And I was a very insecure individual with a lot of issues myself. And it breeded this really toxic, toxic environment. And um, yeah, so I endured a lot of things. So for the last week, I've had this thought of, okay, why didn't I cry? Why did I, why did I not get upset about him cheating? And I can honestly say that. I mean, you can ask um, the, some of the closest people were with me during that time, and even my husband. I just never got upset that he cheated on me. Like, I never cried about it, never bothered me. Um, there's a lot of other things that he did that really ticked me off way more than that. Um, and there's a reason for that that um, God revealed to me while I was on my run on Saturday. What I wanted to share on this video, because this is going to be like one of many, so I'm going to kind of develop this story because there was a lot of years and also a lot of years has passed and I've grown a lot um, in the last seven years since I had him leave, since I left. Um, I've grown a lot as a person, as an individual. I have really found myself um, because of God. Um, knowing who God is has become paramount to me finding myself. It is impossible for any person 
to find themselves without knowing who God is. If you don't really know who God is, you will never find yourself. Um, you will always struggle to find any kind of self-worth, self-love. You know, you will never understand God's love for you as a person if you don't know God. And I had the amazing opportunity to have God expose himself to me in the year 2016 in the fall as love and it completely changed my life and it changed me that day and it's continued to change me over time and I continue to grow and part of me never shared this story for a lot of different reasons and one of them was really because I always felt like <sighs> I'm sorry I really don't want to get emotional um one of the reasons is because I always felt like I wasn't good enough and I failed and there was something wrong with me and that's part of what breeded this toxic relationship um, because I allowed things to happen because I always felt like I guess subconsciously I deserved it because I just wasn't worthy um, I was convinced I was a boring person I was convinced that um, I was naive um, and I was too nice and I was this little Christian girl. Um, all things that were told to me by my ex-husband constantly and his sister. Um, and that people stepped on me because I was too nice. Um, but also constantly feeling like I wasn't good enough. Like there was always something wrong with me. And I'll be honest going through the therapy I'm going through now um that's that's exactly the thought that I'm trying to break down because I know that that thought doesn't come from God I know that I do belong I know that I am qualified and I know that I'm good enough in his eyes I know that because I know God now so this thought is a red flag to me why am I always constantly fighting with this thought that I'm not good enough, that I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to teach. I'm not qualified to preach. I'm not qualified to be a leader, you know, whatever. Whether someone tells me something or not, it's that thought, it's always in my head. I don't know if anyone can relate, but it's just there. And I've been fighting with it. So as I learned about this, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to tackle. I'm going to break down this belief in my head and I believe it for some reason. And I started going after it. And, um, you know, on day 10, I kind of came to the standstill over the last week. Like I said, just really breaking it down in and realizing like, wait a second, all these thought, all this stuff that I've been thinking about go back to when I was a teenager, pretty much for the most part, I had one major moment when I was in kindergarten, my first memory ever of this concept um, that I don't belong, I shared in my ebook, Love Story. But then a lot of it was when I was a teenager, kind of impacted me and I was like, wait a sec, there's something so weird. Like I spent 12 years married to this abusive person who cheated on me for at least six years that I know of. Why has that not come up in anything? in any of my session it's almost like it didn't happen is there something wrong with me like have i suppressed something so deep and is it causing severe problems so i sat on it 
like I said, when I went running on Saturday, I kind of, I was, I wasn't kind of praying. Like I was praying. I was talking to God about it and really just trying to like, okay, you know, what's happening. And God revealed something to me that morning. And it was kind of like, whoa, eye opening. And it flipped, my stomach flipped. Like I was running and I, I felt this flip in my stomach. And I was like, whoa, okay, I now understand why I didn't cry and why I didn't get mad. And it's not because there's something wrong with me. And like I said, I'm not going to share that quite yet. I feel like maybe in some of the future things that I share, I'll finally come back to that and explain that because I feel like it's a little premature and I'll be like judged. Not that I care that you'll judge me, but I feel like I need to share the story first before I share that. But as I was running then, the rest of the, the time, I, I turned off the podcast and I was just like with me and God. And all these memories started coming, like all of them. And every once in a while, things that I not necessarily had forgotten about, but I just don't think about, would come up like a memory. I would think of the moment and I would feel sick to my stomach, literally sick in the middle of my run. I would feel my legs wanting to give out. Like, I just, like, I would want to stop and just, like, go on the floor in a fetal position and just start crying. And I would, I think there was, like, two times that I actually was stopped and started walking. And then after that, whenever I would feel that, I would talk to myself and I would, like, pray. I call it, like, I pray over myself. That's what I call it. And I was, and I would say, like, no. I am not going to let these things define me. I'm not going to let the pain and the hurt of this thing weaken me and cause me to stop. It was almost like a metaphor. And I said, it will strengthen me. And instead of being toxic, instead of it stopping me, it will empower me and it will strengthen me to keep going. And then from that, I'll be able to share the story and help other people, hopefully, so that they don't go through what I went through. Um, and they can come out on the other side. So that's when I was like, I think it's time for me to share. And the last time I shared a little bit, I shared like a, I shared a Facebook post, probably was like four or five, five little chapters. If you guys see what I write, my chapters, are, my chapters, my paragraphs aren't really long, but after I wrote that, um, the woman who had my ex's baby, um, she had a fake profile, I guess, and she was checking on me. And I still don't know why, because I don't have any contact with my ex. We have no friends in, in common. Like, it's not like we were in the same circle. We don't live in the same place. We don't have the same friends. I don't talk to her. So I don't understand why she creates fake profiles to keep an eye on me, because other than our children having the same father, there's nothing to connect us, but she did, and she decided to come after me and threaten me and all this stuff, simply because I stated the truth and the reality of the fact that my ex-husband cheated on me and had a baby with her while we were still married. And I will just say this, and I'll save the rest of the stories for next time. This woman, it's not her fault at all. I don't blame her. Um, she did not know that he was married. Um, they had been talking before they met at the bar. 
Um, so there was some sort of like back and forth, whatever. This was not a drunken moment that he had. He planned this. Um, but it's not her fault. She didn't do anything wrong. She did not know that he was married. He did not wear his wedding ring. So that's one of the things. He did not wear his wedding ring. Um, he would go out at night, be out all night, sometimes come home the next day. Um, sometimes I wouldn't see him till the following afternoon. So there were a lot of things. Um, and, you know, kind of stupidity and denial on my part, whatever, I'll share about that. But I just want to preface this with, it wasn't her fault. She did nothing wrong. This baby that she had, he's, I don't consider him a bastard. She thinks he's a bastard. She thinks her own child is a bastard. I don't consider him a bastard. Um, he is being raised by his mother. And so, like, who cares who his dad is or whether he was married? Like, that kid has value. Um, you know, he, he matters. He's worth something. And just because his father... Uh, his biological father, because I don't know if he has a stepdad or something, but just because his biological father turned out not to be the greatest of individuals does not mean that he's a victim to that. Um, just like my daughters are not victims to their genetics on their father's side, just as they're not victims to my side either, for that matter. Um, so anything that I say over the next several weeks, um, I will you know, keep my heart in check. It's really not to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not talking ill about anyone. Um, like I said, this woman who had my ex's baby while we were still married, it's not her fault. She didn't know he was married. When she found out, she confronted him. And when she confronted him, he lied to her and told her that I knew about the baby and had tried to kill myself and actually was in the hospital because I tried to kill myself. Now the side note is that her father had just committed suicide a couple months before that. So he totally manipulated her and her weakness and appealed to that by telling her that I tried to kill myself and was in the hospital over her and that baby. So she was under the impression that I knew about this baby for months before I even found out about the baby. Um, I found out about the baby. The baby was almost a year old at that point. So that's that side of the story. Um, I've never shared that publicly. Um, it's a little embarrassing if I'm being honest. There's a lot of shame associated with it. Um, I was not angry. I always told him that I wouldn't be surprised if a woman came knocking on my door and told me that she had his baby. But now is the day of social media, so you don't need a door. You just need Facebook. And then people contact you on Facebook and tell you, knock, knock, knock. Hey, I had your husband's baby. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I found out about this baby. Um, so yeah, so that was, and that was kind of the nail in the coffin um, to our marriage. But a lot happened before. And I'm going to share all those things. Um, and the reason I'm going to share it is this. It culminated in him having a baby with another woman while we were in a relationship. And his family knew about it. And his family lied to my face about it. While we were on a family vacation, 
him swearing up and down he would never cheat on me. How crazy for anyone to cheat on me. Telling his family, his family saying he would never cheat on me. Mind you, they all knew that there was a woman walking around in the world with his baby. It was, it was really hard, really hard pill to swallow. The betrayal of his family, I think, hit me more. I don't think I know. It hit me more um, than him because I, I kind of suspected it. Um, but there was a lot that led up to that. Um, it really did. A lot of different little things that he did that I caught and excuses that he gave um, that I chose, I chose to believe. Um, I was not stupid. I chose to believe and then lived several years in denial. Um, avoiding picking up his phone. I had no interest to look. I didn't want to know. I really didn't want to know. And I developed my life and I let him live his life. And we basically were married, but weren't. And I want to share this because it is hard for me to see marriages that are going through the same thing. And no one says anything about it because everyone is just so worried, worried about giving any inclination that they're counseling divorce. I am not an advocate for divorce. To me, marriage is sacred. Marriage is something like you go in, it's a covenant. Even though I went through all that abuse and, and I had reason to leave, biblically or not, whatever it is that you want to think, it broke me. I went through depression and anxiety, like severe anxiety for the first time in my life. Like for a month, I cried. I was in bed probably for about two weeks straight. The only time I got out was to walk the girls to the bus to pick them back up. I would order Domino's or order takeout. I wouldn't leave the bed. And then on the weekends, I would pull down the shades and I would just sit in my living room with my girls and I, I wouldn't move. And then I went to the doctor because I was scared because I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. And that was after I made the decision that the, the marriage was completely done. Something was severed in the spirit. So listen, marriage is extremely sacred and people need to be careful when they decide to go into that covenant. It is not something to be played with. You, you should not go into it thinking, well, if it doesn't work, I'm going to get divorced. And also, you shouldn't get divorced just because of stupid reasons either. So I just want to preface that with this. And I, can, I probably will be taken out of context at any point over the next several weeks with something that I say. Um, but, you know, in the Christianese words, okay, let me use the Christianese words right now. Let those who have ears hear what I am saying. There are so many people right now, some men, but more women go through this than men, who are in marriages and they are being destroyed by their spouse. Destroyed. They are made to feel like they are crazy. They are being cheated on and convinced that they shouldn't leave and that they have to forgive. And, that, and, and they're led to believe that forgiveness means staying in a marriage that you are being cheated on and abused psychologically, emotionally, and mentally. 
And I cannot get behind that. I really can't. I, I do not believe that that is in God's heart. I just can't. When the Holy Spirit told me that there would be a day that I would be leaving my relationship with my ex-husband, I didn't understand. I was confused. What are you talking about? I can't get divorced. Even with him cheating, I can't get divorced. This is what was implanted in my brain, indoctrinated. I was indoctrinated with this thought that I would have to endure any kind of abuse because that's what the Bible said. Because he was the head of the household, because I had to do what he said. When I became a member at a church, the last fight that we ever had, argument we ever had, I'll never forget it. I became a member at a church with my girls because I, God was speaking to me and I needed to go back. He yelled at me over that and said, I am the head of this household. How dare you go to church and become a member of a church without me? Like at the time, I kind of was like, is he right? And I had to go to counseling. Like I literally went to counseling over it because I didn't understand. And I'm going to explain what I've learned ever since. But I will tell you this. It is not okay to be cheated on. It is not okay for your spouse to be having indecent conversations with someone else. It is not okay for your spouse to have a best friend other than you. It just is not. It is not okay for your spouse to be going out at night and having fun and partying constantly without you. It's one thing if it's a night here or there, you know, they're going out with their buddies or I'm going out with my lady friends. Y'all know I do that. I have a ladies night out and stuff. But I'm talking about going out, drinking and dancing without your spouse and not wanting them there and them not wanting you there. That is not okay. I do not care what the excuses. I don't care if it was a drunken night. Cheating is not okay. And cheating is not just having sex either, may I add, okay? So also, if you are at a point, like I used to, no lie, I am not exaggerating at all and God knows my heart. I used to kneel before my ex-husband crying, begging him to take me to a psychiatric ward and admit me because I was going crazy. Because he would say things and then and then tell me I didn't, he never said it. Or things like that all the time. I mean, I was at a point where it's like, is the sky really blue? Or do I just think it's blue? But it's really not blue, but I'm just crazy and I think it's blue. Because he keeps saying the sky's purple. I mean, that's, that's how bad it was. That's how I felt, guys. Like, this, this is no joke. And I just pray that if there's any person on my newsfeed right now that has this feeling, like you are losing your mind. I'm telling you right now that you need to take a moment, snap out of the denial and realize that it's not okay. And it's probably not you, that there's something bigger going on and go and seek help 
go and ask for help, whether it's at a church or therapy or someone. And sometimes your best friend or whoever you have as a friend, they're just not going to cut it because you've probably been talking to them this whole time and it's not helped. So you need to go somewhere else and you need to go ask for help. I'm not saying that you need to get divorced, but I'm saying you need a moment and you need to take time to assess really what's going on because it is not right. It is not right. I don't care if you are Christian, if you're the most spiritual person, it is not right for you to be cheated on. And so, so I mean, that's all I have to say today. I'm going to share my story a little bit at a time because there's a lot to unravel. But I caught my ex, like, just give you some highlights. I was in the hospital having a baby, his baby, and he left to go to a class. And he didn't leave to go to a class. A couple weeks later, because of phone bills, I realized he left to go cheat on me with a girl from one of those 800 numbers. Okay? Yes. I was with him, what, eight years, six years, seven years, still after that. I found text messages with the dry cleaning person, sexual, like sexting, like major, before sexting was even a thing, he was doing it. Um, he went to Brazil and was planning on having a whole New Year celebration, telling me he was going to be with his family, but, spent, you know, planning it with another woman. Again, he would be out all night with his friends, drinking, come home drunk. Um, the cops were called twice, maybe three times by neighbors because he would come home in a complete rage, pissed off at the fact that he loved me and he would punch holes in the wall and throw furniture, sofas and everything. Um, so the cops were called, um, health department showed up at my door, told me I was exposed to syphilis and he tried to lie to them. He had a profile on a dating website um, that one of my friends caught him on, came and told me. And guys, I made excuses every single time. Not only did he make excuses to me, but then I made excuses for him. And I just lived a life of denial because I couldn't get divorced. So I just stuck it out. So I'm saying this because, not because I want anyone to get divorced, because divorce does break people. Okay, there's a severing in the spirit. It really is hard. But no one deserves this. You know, my first daughter, and I'm going to end with this. When my first daughter was born, I was nine months pregnant and we were young adult leaders. Yes, he was Christian, guys. Christian, okay? We were young adult leaders and we, we were leading a retreat. So we, we had this retreat and it was a blizzard. And I went nine months pregnant, okay? Like my due date was a week from then. No, my C-section date was, it was like Friday. My C-section date was on Tuesday. And I went. That's the kind of person, I've always been that kind of like really devoted Christian person. And I went and then I wound up having contractions, whatever. Had to cry to get him to believe me to go to the hospital to go have the baby. Like I had to cry about it. To be like, I can't believe you don't believe me. Like I've been experiencing pain and not letting anyone know just so that I don't ruin the retreat. Went to, finally went to the hospital, had Anna at 3.15 in the morning. And he left at six in the morning 
to go preach. That's the kind of life it was, even as a Christian. He left me and my baby to go preach at a retreat. Like that was more important to him than his family. And there were nights, supposedly, now I don't know, now I question that he would go counsel these guys and was out, would be out to like, you know, two, three in the morning. So I don't know if that's really what he was doing, but even in the name of God, it was happening. So it's hard for me. It's hard for me to, yeah, Amy, I mean, I, I'm so like labeling people is really hard for me because I feel like we label people a lot and it's really easy to put people in these boxes. Um, but yeah, he definitely had narcissistic tendencies and still continues to have narcissistic tendencies. Um, but I don't, it's kind of like, I don't seek to, I had a part in it. And this is one thing that everybody who knows me is like, you still take on too much of the blame. But I'm one of those people who believes very strongly in, um, personal taking personal responsibility and recognizing the role I played not just the role I played of like could I have been a better wife what could I have done better but even the role I played in allowing it to happen and that's one of the things that God showed me on Saturday I really allowed a lot of it to happen if I'm being honest I'm not excusing his behavior or saying it but I kind of knew and I let it happen um so yeah oh thanks Amy I'm glad I mean I I posted stuff and I've just been really vulnerable because I just wanted to help somebody. And like I said, I have no desire in causing divorce or separation. And, and it's one of the reasons why I don't really share about it. But I really think it's important. And I really like sometimes I see people in these relationships and it breaks my heart because I don't know what to say. Because if I were to say what I see, feel, think, um, and I don't want to base like my... I really try hard not to base my counsel off of my own experience because I really believe in hope. And my hope is to see people who may find themselves in a situation like I did. And they they are able to reconcile. Like I know, and I'm not gonna name them publicly, but I do know a couple people, a couple couples who made it out. Like, and man, I cheer those people on so bad because I'm not going to say that that's what I hope it happened to me because what happened to me happened to me. And to be honest, I'm completely glad that I'm out of that. But restoration is always the goal, right? I really believe that anything's possible with God. And when two people decide to change and love comes into the picture and love changes everything, it really is possible to change. But it's not fair. And some people are dealing with abuse. Like, so, like, guys, I'm sorry, listen to me. You may not be getting hit, but emotional and mental abuse is extremely real and in many cases leaves scars far worse than physical abuse, okay? Some people, like, they don't make it out alive. That, and that's for real. That, that's for real. I, I can, can be here before you right now and say, I, I was close I was close and I really believe it's why God intervened because I can't tell you how many nights I slept with a knife underneath my bed and it was either going to be me 
or it was going to be him. Just being honest. I mean, that's the point that it was. I was scared. I was freaking scared. And what took me out of it was my two daughters. And the day that he got aggressive with them was the day I looked and said, oh, heck no. And I may not have had self-love at that time, but I had love for my daughters. Enough to look at them and say, there is no way in this world, no way that I am going to allow them to believe that this is okay. Uh-uh, not happening. And now that my daughters are teenagers and I kind of see where they, are, where they are right now, you know, over the years you question, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decisions? Am I being selfish? Am I really thinking about them? Or am I saying I'm thinking about them? You know, like all these things, these thoughts, they go through my head, you know, and, and I pray a lot and I ask God and I really open up my heart before God unashamedly and like set me straight. And now as my daughters are getting older and they're faced with different experiences and, and decisions and tough situations, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I am glad that I got divorced. I don't regret it. I will proudly say it. I have been ashamed because I have been told by people that I am going to hell for being married to Mike. Mike and I have been told that we are damned to hell, that we need to get divorced and go back to our previous spouses. We have been told this by Christians. And so there's always been a little bit of shame and, you know, a lot of the people on my Facebook page, they probably don't even realize that I am divorced. And you know what? I am divorced. I am divorced and I'm glad I'm divorced. I'm glad for myself I'm divorced. And I'm glad for my daughters that I'm divorced. Because we wouldn't be where we are now. Like, that's just, it's just a reality. I look at my daughters today and I'm damn proud. And I say that unashamedly too. I am proud that I took a stand, that I took a step, that I did it, that I had the strength to step away from a life of destruction because of religious thinking and that I gave my daughters the opportunity to break every generational curse and to walk a life of freedom where they are not victims to abuse and to toxic situations. Because if I had stayed, that would have been on me too, not just on him. Because for years I stayed. My daughters witnessed enough and they know enough. They know just enough to have experienced it themselves to know I don't want that. So I'm proud. I'm proud that I took that step. And it's not for everyone. And there's some people, they'll be able to get to the other side. They'll be able to restore their marriage and make it but both people need to want it. Marriage is not a one side. So if you have one person fixing the relationship and the other person has no interest, I'm sorry, it's not gonna work. It's just not a relationship, it's two people, two people. If you have kids, think about your kids. God gave you those kids and you have those kids and they are your responsibility. Do not teach them that abuse is okay. Do not teach them, oh, you know, you know your father. He's just like that. Just, you know, whatever. No, no. 
that's not everyone deserves to be treated with respect and honor every single person and i was resorting to disrespect and dishonor i just at the end i disrespected and dishonored my ex a lot okay and it wasn't right and i did it because i didn't know what else to do it was like my weapon kind of in a way you know but it wasn't right everyone deserves respect and honor including my ex and i wasn't giving it to him and i had to fix that i had to fix it and my fix was i needed to walk away i needed to walk away for him and i needed to walk away for me because i'm telling you that we were on the verge of something serious going down and it was going to be him or is going to be me and at least now we're both alive um so yeah so that's it i know i said that i was gonna end a long time ago but I just hope that this helps someone. Yeah, Amy, I mean, our kids sometimes see things, but you hope. And then my goal was always to just really reinforce with my daughters. You know, he thinks that, because I got sole custody of my kids, uh, sole custody. Uh, it was a long battle, but he showed his true colors in court. I have a court order almost 20 pages long where the judge outlined every thing like it's very a, a very amusing read actually very sad sometimes i read it just to be reminded because sometimes you forget things remember where you came from and um i got sole custody my daughters want nothing to do with him and he thinks that i keep them away from him i don't they've chosen that not me I have begged them to talk to him just to get him off our back because he does stalk us and harass us. Um, he still owes me a very, 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 very large amount of child support. Um, he's currently on probation, has federal charges, um, and for weapons and drugs and was even charged by the military and um, you know had to serve time for that too. Um, so, you know, he's got a lot of issues. Um, and my daughters just don't want it. They, they, they're like, they know. The last conversation my oldest had with him, he hung up the phone on her because she didn't, she didn't ask him to stop talking bad about me. And when she did that, he, she was, I think she was like 10 and he hung up the phone on her. And after that, she just never wanted to talk to him again because she said every time she talked to him, he always made her feel bad. So that's the reality of the situation. Like I said, I've never shared this publicly with people. Um, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people are like, I, I never knew. I, I never thought, you know, everyone always thinks I have this hunky-dory life. And, you know, I still go through stuff today and I don't share it. And I still have a life filled with joy, peace, and love. And that's why I'm so adamant about what I teach and what I preach. And because, guys, the circumstances, like, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is what's within you and having that relationship with God. And it's that relationship with God that has gotten me to where I am today. And I will tell you 100%, and, and my husband, Michael, he will tell you too. Like, there are things that I just, I've healed a lot. Um, I had triggers. I had triggers and um, thankfully I have a really good relationship with my husband and he helped me work through those triggers and I'm in a much better place than I was in the beginning.
but um, you know, I just there's things it's like no, it's it's just it's hard. Um, hey Jonathan, when you tell the truth and people accuse you of blaming yourself, so so this is the thing I've never. I've never really shared a lot of things publicly because I didn't want to slander and I didn't want to throw under the bus. Um, like I said, I don't really have mutual friends anymore. We don't have people in common. So the reality is that most of the people, if not all of the people who are watching this, don't even have a relationship with him to know him. So it, it's not even about that. Um, one of the reasons that I didn't share it is because I didn't want to slander. And in my opinion, it's kind of like I let go of, I let go of, I would say 95 to 98% of the relationships that I had growing up simply because we did have mutual friends and he was, he eventually went back to New Jersey and, um, like the pro the physical proximity that he had to them, like if he were to share something with them, they're more likely to believe him than to believe me. But I didn't have relationships with these people to go and defend myself. So my stance was, if you're going to listen to him and believe him without even asking me, I'm going to let you think whatever you want. So I let that happen. And I let him slander me back home, like what I would consider back home. It's not really my home anymore. My dad's on here listening. Um, I don't consider New Jersey my home anymore. Florida is my home. Um, but I let him slander me and say whatever. And I was like, if somebody really cares to have a relationship with me, then they're going to come and talk to me. Um, I can say like, if someone were to say you're slandering someone, I would say, you can think that God knows my heart. Um, I honestly, authentically, I really want him to like move on. Like I would love it if he could heal, find Jesus. Like really, he says he does every once in a while just to like, um, you know, get people's pity or whatever. But I know things um, that he still does like he's still on probation and that's pretty recent uh, with drugs and alcohol weapons like there was a weapon that went missing um and I totally forgot about this there was a weapon that was mine but registered in his name that went missing and I reported it and when the cops called him he denied it and they they wrote it down there's a report in North Carolina because they agreed it was shady and he got arrested in New Jersey uh, because he had a gun, which happens to be the same type of gun, a 380, that I had. And the serial number was, like, shaved off. Why would someone do that? And that was recent. So, he, he ha you know, he hasn't changed. I've asked the Lord for repentance. So, I know that some people, you know, they go through repentance. And the Lord has shown me what repentance looks like. And it's something that I... I really feel like I've learned and I see and I really want to have grace. I've always been open to, um, I'm not going to say restoration because there, there is no restoration in the marriage. But the reality is that he is the biological father to my daughters. Okay? That doesn't change. And if my daughters, when they're older, want to have a relationship with him, I'm completely open with that. Because by then, they will have learned how to defend themselves. 
um, and how to be able to interact with him in a healthy way, even if he's not completely healthy. Okay, so that's my goal if they want to have a relationship with him. But I've asked if he turns his life to God and he wants to change his life, um, I'd be more than open to like having dialogue. Absolutely, 100%. I say that with complete authenticity. Whether people believe it or not, that's... I have to. I had to learn to totally be okay with God knows my heart and other people can, you know, decide whether, whatever they want to decide. Um, so I don't slander. Um, that's why I haven't talked about it because I have no desire to throw him under the bus. If anything, listen, we really were friends at some time. I didn't marry him because I hated him. I married him because we were friends. I did see something in him. I did see the good in him. Everyone told me not to marry him. Like I had people in Africa telling me not to marry him. Okay, but I did. I did. That was my fault. I did not listen to counsel. But that's because I did see something good in him. And I know that. And I stand behind it. And the day I got married to him, I felt peace. I really did. 100%. If there's something that held me onto that marriage, it's because of the peace I felt. And I fought. I fought with everything that I could. But if two people don't play the game, if two people don't dance together... It's never going to sink, you know, and I believe that God wants everyone to be happy, not just one side of the relationship. Why should I have to work so that he could be happy? Like, why, why did I think this is for real? Why did I think that God wanted him to be happy and me to be with him? Why didn't I think that I deserved that kind of happiness? Because subconsciously, that's what happened. I didn't believe I deserved it. But, you know, God helped me. And, um, and I just pray that one day, I mean, he knows Jesus. It's not like he doesn't. Um, and there's Christian people around him, you know, I'm sure and whatever. And I hope that one day he gives his life to God. This is my desire that one day he truly like that. God truly encounters him and he accepts the love of God because I think he may know it up here, but he doesn't accept it because there's been a lot of brokenness in his family. I think there's probably some abuse there somewhere. Um, knowing what I know now. Um, I'm sure that he left Brazil at 15 years old, I think it was, and was living by himself in the U.S. Um, you know, so he pretty much raised himself, and I'm pretty sure that he went through some traumatic things during that time, too. Um, so he was broken. Like, you know, he, he couldn't, he could not, he could not love me any better than he did. He really did his best. I really believe that. I really believe that those times... He came home at night, pissed off, drunk, but pissed off and punching the wall because he was so pissed off that he loved me was because he knew, he knew I deserved better. And every time I would plan something for our future, he would always tell me that, that I deserved better. Like always. He pretty much told me that he was up to no good. I just always had hope. I really did. I had hope. Um, and he did his best. I can say that he did his best. He did his best to love me. He did his best to love our daughters. He just couldn't give more than he did. Yeah, it's his fault. I'm not making excuses. People think I make excuses for him. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying that some people, you know, they only know what they know. And when the people around them enable their behavior, they can't grow. And unfortunately, everyone around him enabled his behavior, including me for a time. And then when I walked away because I stopped enabling his behavior, his family just perpetuated it. 
um, and it unfortunately limits his ability to grow and to change. So he did his best. And that's what I tell my girls, like w when this all happened, you know, I would tell them, hey, he didn't abandon you. You're not rejected. He fought for you. And to be honest, in some ways, in his little distorted ways, he still fights for them. Um, but he just doesn't know how to love. He's a broken person, but me and the girls deserve to be loved properly. We deserve to be loved the right way. We deserve to be respected and honored. And if he's not willing to do what it takes to do that, then I'm not going to stand by and let that happen. Um, especially for my daughters, especially for me, because that's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. He, he had an opportunity to make choices. And over and over and over again, for several years, he made choices. I made choices too. And he did his best. That's all anyone can ask. Um, you know, whatever. Sometimes people's best isn't enough. It kind of stinks. Sometimes my best isn't enough. But we have to learn and grow. And I choose to learn and grow. So that's why I'm doing this video. As hard as it is. Because it's a tough story. It's embarrassing. Because if I were to tell you all the stuff that, that I learned over the years. And the excuses I made. It's embarrassing. It's just reality. It's embarrassing. Especially after people told me. But um, I share this because I'm so sick and tired of fake church people. I say that with complete authenticity. Like, I'm so sick and tired of it. It makes me sick to my stomach. Um, you know, the hypocrisy, um, the fakeness, the lack of empathy, lack of compassion, lack of understanding on both sides. Like, you know what? You want to know why I, didn't, I never slandered him and why I never turned against him? He needs people just as much as I need people. And he probably needs people more than I need people because I'm much more emotionally and mentally stronger than him. That's just reality. So he needs people more than I need people. So I had a good family, a supportive family. They tell me like it is. They don't sugarcoat things. They're supportive. He doesn't have that. He has enabling people. Um, so, you know, that's it. And to end, Jonathan, I'll answer your question because I have to go take my daughter to gymnastics now. This went longer than I thought. Um, really on my run on, on Saturday, which is like my ther therapy um, nine mile run. I saw, oh, so it really started with going through the neurocycle with Dr. Carolyn Leaf, um, really learning about the the brain and the mind connection, um, and neuroplasticity and just going through her therapy. And then I reached to day 10, started realizing all this stuff, questioning why I didn't cry about the betrayal, why I, why I wasn't mad ever about the cheating why that never bothered me it was like so weird like man I must be demented or something honestly that's so I sat with that went for a run realized um why I didn't cry um which is a whole other issue that I need to work out within my myself but then God showed me like this happened why do I keep pretending it didn't happen why do I keep denying that it happened? Why am I ashamed that it happened? Um, and really shame came into play. And there's this song, you know, that talks about how shame can go to hell. And I love that song. Shame was the first thing that came in at the fall of man. Adam and Eve sinned. The first thing that came in that I can see and I studied, I even have books about 
um, genesis that I want to dive into from an academic standpoint. But the first thing that I see that came in was shame. They went and they hid themselves. They didn't have to. God didn't need them to hide. God actually went after them. After they hid, the first thing that came in was shame. And it was that shame that, that, that caused that feeling of separation. God didn't separate from them. They separated from God because of shame. So whenever I sense shame, I'm like, oh man, I got to like kick this thing out. And that's what happened. Saturday, I realized there was a lot of shame associated with my story. And I felt strongly from God. That's really the only way I can say it. Like it's time to share um, to stop um, that my heart wasn't about slandering him, but more so for my healing as well as to encourage people who love God. First of all, this is paramount, who love God and are looking for answers in this area and have decided to or who have succumbed to the thought that it's okay to go through this. And um, sometimes the best thing you can do for your spouse if they are abusive in any form or fashion. So that word abuse is like really misused a lot. So it's hard for me to use that word sometimes because some people claim abuse when there is no abuse. So it's kind of hard, kind of have to elaborate that word a little bit. But sometimes the only way to stop it and to help that person who is abusing them is to stand up, is to say something. And I separated, and in, in North Carolina, when you separate, you have to be separated physically for a year before you can get divorced. You can't just get divorced. You have to be separated. And I totally love that because it gives you a chance to exit the situation and have time to process and think. And I did. I spent a year. And um, there was a time where I fasted and prayed to forgive the cheating and to reconcile, and I tried to reconcile. And the behavior continued, and then, I, and then I had to make a decision. Then it became more about like, I have to, I have to find the strength to to move on because this isn't this isn't changing. But again, twelve years, a lot of fasting, a lot of praying went into it. It wasn't like an overnight decision. This is why I think people from the outside need to be brought in um, because it's hard to see clearly when you're the one going through it, and in other either side of the relationship. We did go through counseling. Um, he was in he was in the military, and we had lots of that. So we had count, we had counseling. I mean, to the point where his own chaplain looked at him and said, "You realize she's not one of your soldiers, right? The way you talk to her and about her, it sounds like she's one of your subordinates." Just to give you an idea, and then he didn't want to go back anymore because. He didn't like what he was hearing um, because like usual, I was so nice and everybody just gravitated to, to me because I was so nice, whatever. That's, that's what we would say. And when we got separated, because he was in the military, I had to go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a, um, and then I, I had a victim advocate and we had like a therapist that saw him and me separately, but we never got to the point to see each other together because then stuff exploded. So I saw people like, this is not something people go through all alone, never alone. Um, Jonathan, I think you can relate. Like definitely you need a community of people around you. Uh, you need to be willing to hear. It's never going to be easy. No matter what, whether you try to stay together or whether you separate, I went through the hardest year of my life 
when I divorced of my life. Even though it was the best decision ever, it still was hard. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Seriously, um, just wouldn't. Um, so that's it, guys. Well, I'm going to go. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry for rambling. This went on a lot longer than I thought. Um, but again, it's as much to bless you guys as it is to help me heal because I've always kept it in and I've always been ashamed to share it because I felt like, and this is where Dr. Carolyn Leaf's therapy comes in. The thought that I keep processing is I'm not qualified. And I always felt like if people were to know that I was divorced and my story and I'm remarried and whatever, that they would automatically disqualify me because I'm divorced. Some people, no matter what, like I've had people who I even told them what he did and still think that I should just remain single for the rest of my life and wait for him to come back. It's just complete, complete destructive beliefs. Um, so I'm at this point like I'm working through I need to be more concerned about what God thinks and what the truth is and not worry so much about what people people think because people are always going to come against no matter no matter what we do so that's it guys well I hope this blesses you I'm going to post it on my YouTube channel so it's out there for the world to see um yeah, so so that's that's like the big big thing, and then I'll share like little videos, and eventually I'm gonna share too the process I'm going through. I just wanna finish it um, so that I can kind of like share a little bit more with you. But it's definitely gonna be a part of my coaching because I I have a really good ability to control my thoughts and to like um, what's the word like renew my mind type. If you're gonna use Christianese words, and it's blessing my life even even though I have that ability like some people struggle a lot more than me and it's really blessing my life helping me dig really deep transform who I am so I was like wow if it's like blessing me this much and then other people totally need to know about it so if you don't know Dr. Carolyn Leaf great way to start is to just listen to her podcasts there's a lot of great stuff on there it's called cleaning up your mental mess um you know I'll share share all this stuff openly because I don't want to hoard it like it's it's good stuff out there um and if what you've been doing hasn't been working try something different because I'm telling you affirmations repeating bible verses spewing all that stuff positive thinking yada yada blah 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 that's the kind of stuff we're taught doesn't work okay so if you found that it doesn't work for you what, what's the harm in trying something different? So check out Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She has different books. They're kind of really academic in nature, so maybe hard, but the podcasts are really uh, relatable, easy to understand. So that's it. Stay tuned. I'll be back for more, more embarrassing stories about stupid stuff that I went through in my past. Um, but hopefully it, it um, helps us all. Like we're on this journey together, guys. I want to be authentic. When I say that, I'm not being fake. Like I'm being real. Be authentic, and if somebody doesn't like it, well, I can't do anything about that. I can only, you know, work on myself. So thank you all for watching, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.